And all the people said, Amen. I tell you, I've got one question, though. That first trio that sang, who was that teenager that sang with them? I didn't recognize her. That was Miss Yutana? That's who that was? That was Miss Madonna. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you ought to call her that now. Come on. So, <laughs> Isn't it great to have different singers just come up and be a part of the choir? In other words, before long, we're going to have more up here singing than they are out here listening. So you just might as well come on and join us. What are you laughing at, Norman? You need to be up here, too. Both of you. We laugh at things, but yet I'm serious. You need to be up here. We'll work on him, I promise you. Hope you're having a great day today. Of course, tomorrow's a big day. I know there'll be some going out of town. Judy and I are planning on going out of town, but the Weather forecast in, uh, uh, where are we going? Kansas City, Missouri, it uh, shows snow every day this week. If that's the case, I'm sorry? Yeah? <laughs> Texans don't do too well in snow. <laughs> let's move Let's move on. We get, It's getting deep in here now. Let's turn to the, what's referred to as the traditional Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. When you find that, I'm going to ask you, Wood, to stand with me as we read this together. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house, of, house and lineage of David, to be, be registered with his wife, Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were at the same time, at the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which, with the, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at these things which were told them by the shepherds. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, and it was told them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for the, again for this privilege of coming before you. And Lord, just to lift up your name in prayer as much as anything else. Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season and what tomorrow represents to us. The day that our Savior was born. And Lord, we know that that life that you lived was a challenging one because you knew from the very beginning what the end result would be. But Lord, you did it just the same. And Lord, we just ask that you would make this Christmas a Christmas that we'll always remember. That Lord, it'll be something about it that we, for the first time, begin to see the gift that was given to us by God Himself through Jesus Christ. Lord, we just ask you to go with us now through the rest of the service and all these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before we get into the message real good this morning, let me remind you that we've got uh, some changes this week coming up in our services. Uh, number one, tonight we will have service, but it'll be a candlelight service at 6 o'clock. Shouldn't take, but uh, probably less than an hour. And so keep that in mind. Bring somebody with you. We always have visitors for that service, and we hope to have some more tonight. And so just bring somebody with you if you can. Also, uh, next Wednesday night, because we've got a lot of people being out of town, we will not have a Wednesday night service this coming Wednesday. Uh, hopefully everything next week will be back to normal. Of course, that will be the first of the year. And that brings us something else in mind. Next Sunday night, of course, is December 31st, the turn of the year at 12 o'clock. And we're going to have a just a fellowship party around here. We're going to just have a time when we get together in fellowship. Bring your favorite finger foods or anything you want to like that. And we're going to have a good time of just uh, playing games. You can bring dominoes or any games you want to. But it just uh, just sit around for a few hours. We'll begin at 8 o'clock next Sunday night and go until a little bit after midnight. After midnight, Judy falls asleep anyway, so we might as well just go home. But it just, she can't stay awake too long. But just come on out and join us. It'll just be a fun time, nothing heavy. Now, one thing we are going to do next Sunday night, right about 12 o'clock, we're going to come in here, and we're going to just have a, a moment or two of prayer as the clock changes to one to 12 o'clock. And just have, what better way can you think of to bring a new year into a church than to have a prayer meeting? Nobody's going to force you to do anything, anything else. If you're visiting with us, you're more than welcome. But we'll play games, just have a good time, fellowship, eat too much, eat too many sweets, and this kind of thing. But then at midnight, we'll just before midnight, we'll come in here and just have a prayer meeting as the new year revolves. And so keep that in mind. That's beginning uh, next Sunday. And, of course, again, we're not going to have a Wednesday night uh, uh, service since we're the, the, a lot of folks are gone. And so keep those things in mind. And also... Keep this in mind that coming up, starting on June, uh, excuse me, January the 12th, 2018, every Friday night for the year, the kids are going to have a children's night, a kids' night. Let me just read this to you. Children ages 5 to 12 will enjoy a time of faith-building activities, fun and fellowship, every Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. beginning August, my goodness, beginning January 12th, 2018. We look forward to the start of a blessed 2018 for our children's ministry. So plan on that. Tell other kids about it and bring them out. That will be every Friday night, hopefully in the year of 2018. 
And what a way to start it out. We need to build those kids up. They've got a good crowd this morning back there with them. And so just uh, keep those things in mind. But keep next Sunday night especially in your mind. And then we'll be back to a regular service after that. And so just come on out and join with us. <clears throat> We've just read what's referred to as the traditional Christmas story. But I was I was thinking about that story as, as we read through it and so forth. And that was such of an unusual happening that the shepherds were right when they said, let us go and share these things that have happened. Can you imagine being out in a pasture, watching your sheep, and all of a sudden the skies basically opened up, I guess you could say, and the angels began to sing. Now, I don't know that I would have been as calm as they seemed like they were in this story. I'd probably been trying to find a rock to hide behind or something. I don't know. But the angels began to speak to them on this early Christmas morning, the day that Jesus Christ was born, and began to have an impact. And these guys began to, after it had settled down a little bit, they began to talk among themselves. Now, these are shepherds. I mean, these are guys that live out in the wilderness. Uh, I'm trying to word this phrase very carefully. They smelled like the animals. Not too many people wanted them to come into their homes, but yet because of where the baby Jesus was born, it was just a smell they were used to. You think God didn't plan every detail of this exactly the way He wanted it? I would imagine if they had been in that hotel room, that the innkeeper would have stopped them at the door and says, Guys, wait a minute, I'm sorry, but uh, y'all been hanging around the little sheep too many times and wouldn't allow them to come in. But God even had the details of it worked out. God had everything in place, and it came about just as it was supposed to. I want to ask you a question this morning. How do you enjoy Christmas outside of Christmas Day? What can we do to carry this Christmas tomorrow, this time when we get together family and friends and uh, eat too much and have too much fun and watch football or, well, maybe not nowadays, but that used to be the thing on Sunday. But just to have a good time together, how do we keep Christmas going all year long? What do we do? What can we do to keep Christmas going? Now, I just had some ideals, and I just thought I'd bring them up to you this morning. First of all, I think that we've got to give a gift. It's called the gift of love. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know it very well. It says, but the greatest of these is love. After all the things that go in, the greatest gift that you can possibly give is the gift of love. Whether it be your family members, whether it be the kids, whether it be grown-ups, whether it be church members, it just could be friends. The greatest gift that you can give is the gift of love. People need relationships. They need love. We're designed to have love in our lives. We need that. We need relationships. We need friendships. We need love exemplified in our life. Parents, the best gift that you can give your kids is time as we go through this year. Time out of your busy schedule to spend some quality time with kids. I remember when I was just really my first, first full-time church anyway over in Paris, Texas, 
And it, uh, my son was playing baseball and what have you. And I mean, he had, or both of them was that matter, but they were still kids, young, ki- uh, young kids anyway. And during the summer, my youngest son, their team went to the, literally the, I forget what the age level was, but national championship. They got to play in the national tournament. Chad was the catcher. <coughs> I taught him that. But, but it's, I mean, he was, that's what his job, that's what his position was. He had that. And I remember one night, they, in fact, it just so happened they played a tournament in Bonham, Texas. This is before the national tournament. And I felt guilty about leaving my church on a Sunday night to go watch him play. Let me tell you something. If I had to do over, I'd have gone and watched him play baseball. You know why? Because, yes, church is important. And I don't believe in missing too many times. But my son's even more important. I should have been there that night. And for these years, and that was back in, I guess, the late 80s, probably 89, 90, somewhere in that range, and I have felt guilty about that. And I got to think about it. That wasn't right, what you did. I thought it was more important for me to be at that church with 15 people, because most of them went to ball game, <laughs> so they had kids too, for me to be there at that church. And I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I mean, yes, it's important to be at the church. But yet I've got a family to raise, or had a family to raise. And it was important for them to see me supporting them. And we made a lot of games, but that one stands out in my mind because I felt guilty about telling our deacons, hey, I won't be here tonight. I'm going to go watch my son play. Now, you may say, well, that's, that's just not the right attitude to have about it. I'm sorry. I didn't spend enough time with my kids as they were growing up because I was a pastor. I was out visitation every night of the week. I was going to see somebody in the hospital, whatever it may be, different things. And I neglected my boys. I'll tell you the truth. Had it not been for Judy, we'd have had a rough time. Because she's the one that taught them the lessons that I should have been teaching. Well, you've got a job as a pastor. You're supposed to be away from the home. No, you're not. You're supposed to work it out so you got both of them and make it important in your life. Parents, if you've got young kids, take out time from your busy schedule to spend some quality time with those kids. Don't just let them come in and give them a coloring book and say, here, take care of this. I'll catch up with you in a few hours. Families need love. Our spouses need love. Our kids need love. Even after they get older. They don't think they need mom and dad anymore, but they still do. Somehow, if you could put love in a package, then give it as many times as you possibly can to different people, not only your family. You cannot give too much love this Christmas. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But the greatest of these, all the gifts that Jesus told him to mention, The greatest of these is love. What good does it do to come here on Sunday morning and say, well, I just love Jesus, I love God, He's he's the center of my life, and then go out and treat people like they shouldn't be treated? We need to share the love of Christ. When we just say that we have love, the Bible has a word for that. It calls it hypocrites. And every one of us do it to some degree or another. Here's 
the gift that God gave us. And God wants us to share that gift. He wants us to take that gift. Don't keep it to ourselves. Use what you need of it and then pass it on to somebody else. I would encourage you this year, if you want to enjoy Christmas all year long, begin to give the love that's in your heart to people. It may be be total strangers. It may be friends. But give the gift of love. The greatest gift of these is love. Folks, we can come here as a church and be here. We can one day pack this building out, but if we don't have love, Paul says we're nothing. We are nothing. The second gift I'd give is the gift of kindness. You say, well, isn't that the same thing? Well, no, not exactly. Maybe there's someone here this today that you've been at difference with somebody in this very room, perhaps, or maybe a neighbor, maybe a parent, maybe a child, for that matter. You've been, you've had something happen in your life, and you two got mad at each other, which that happens. I mean, we know that. You know, every marriage, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, oh, we never fight. That's because you're a liar. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. If you say you never fight, I want to see that one. Because I won't go in there. I'll just leave it alone. But it just, we all do, folks. Brothers and sisters fight. Brothers and brothers fight. Sisters and sisters fight. It doesn't matter who you are. Unless you're an only child and that's the only one to run the house, you're going to fight with somebody. And marriages have challenges. And sometimes we don't agree. But that doesn't mean we can't be kind about it. That can't, doesn't mean we can't give that gift of kindness even at times when we disagree with each other. Go to that person. Talk it out. Here's somebody that I hurt or maybe that hurt me. And they need forgiveness. I need to get it off my chest. Now, this didn't happen, but I'm going to use them as an example anyway. Me and Robert, just we just had a bad argument here recently. I'm kidding now. Don't, don't take this literally. I can't have rest until I go to Robert and straighten it out. According to the Bible, not me, Jesus says that. In fact, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus was watching people. He was watching how they gave. And then a few verses later, he says, If you have unforgiveness in your heart, leave your altar on, your uh, offering on the table and go and fix that relationship before you come. What's he saying? Before you pray to God, Oh, Lord, I thank you. I'm so, you just made me this so holy, so righteous. Before you begin to pray those prayers, Go and make sure there's nothing between you and anybody else. That's a big scope. He says, get it worked out first, before, and then come and leave your gifts on the altar. Now, being a Baptist preacher, that really strikes me challenging. I mean, we need financial income. That's how we survive as a church. We've got to pay these light bills. We've got to keep this carpet clean. All the different things that go on the church work. And yes, it's a stress sometimes. But listen to what Jesus says. Before 
you lay it on the altar, first go to somebody that you have a problem with. Did you notice he didn't call out any names? He knew we all have problems with somebody. That's what he was saying. Every one of us have them. It may be something 20 years old. It may be something that happened next week. It may be something that you're thinking about right now doing this afternoon. And he says, before you leave your money, as important as that is to a church, first go and be reconciled with your brother, your sister, your family member, your friend, whoever it may be. That's how important forgiveness is to Jesus. That's the gift we all need, the gift of kindness. Maybe there's someone you need to apologize to. I have an idea that there are some unresolved conflicts in probably every one of our lives today, right now. It may not be something big in the world's eyes, but you may maybe be a, a brother or sister relationship. And that relationship has just become strained because of something that happened. It might have been minor. But Jesus tells us before we leave our offerings at the altar, First, and be reconciled to that. Can you imagine what this world would be like next year if every single person got the conflict straightened up in their life that they need to straighten up? And I believe he's speaking to every one of us, not only in the church, but all of us. Let me encourage you to do this this Christmas. Psalms chapter 29, verse 12 says, the Lord will bless His people with peace. You looking for peace this 2018? Right here is the door you can go through first. Get the conflict work out, worked out in our lives. Get the bitterness solved before you do anything else. The third gift I can think of, the gift of commitment. If you're going to make the Spirit of Christ Spirit of Christmas, come alive in your life. Let me encourage you to commit your life to Christ this Christmas. Let me say that again. If you're going to make the Spirit of Christmas come alive in your life, let me encourage you to commit your life to Christ this Christmas. How can you have the Spirit of Christ in your life if you're so bitter, if something's so negative in your life? The spirit of Christmas. That's what we hear so much this time of year. Even on the secular channels, we hear things about Christmas and the spirit of Christmas and the gift that was given. They may not call it Jesus Christ, but we know who it is. But we all get this merry feeling about us this time of year. Oh, it's a beautiful time. The Christmas trees are so pretty. and it's We hear the singing and all the choruses and all the carols that go on and all the things that makes Christmas special that we've remembered for years and years and years. But what about the spirit of commitment for 2018? Well, I'm against all that commercialism of Christmas. Then quit participating in it. Judy and I went over to the Temple Mall Friday. And I pulled up and I thought, this is not where I want to be. I mean, there were 17,600,000 people. That's just in Dillard's. It had to be. I mean, it just. And, of course, guys, I don't know how you are, but we start walking down the aisle, and you know, before long, all of a sudden, she's gone. Where'd she go? 
I start looking around, and, oh, she's over. I should have known the shoe department or the dress department is where she's going to be at. Sooner or later, she's going to make her way back there. I mean, but there were so many people just pushing and shoving and thought, what is this about? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Pushing and shoving to pay those astronomical prices that they charge on things this time of year. But that's just the Christmas season around this world. What are you going to do about it? I'm against all this commercialism, people say. But yet every year we do the same thing over and over. Commitment means speaking out, taking a stand, trusting. It means believing. It means making a decision. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You see what he's saying? All that stuff that goes into Christmas shopping and Black Friday and Black Monday, I think it is now, or whatever, the Cyber Monday, I think it is. I mean, just I can't even keep up with them. That's not what's important. What's important is what is your commitment to Jesus Christ? That little baby that we represent right here on this scene right in front of us. A little baby called Jesus that came to be the Savior of the world for every man, woman, child, you name it. That's what Christmas is about. And yes, we've allowed commercialism to take over and not recognize Jesus. I was reading an article just recently in one of our uh, Southern Baptist magazines. It's talking about that they did a survey. I think this was last Christmas, but sometime within the time. They went into malls. And they stopped people that claimed to be Christian. I mean, they'd ask them, are you a Christian? And you're not, I'm a Christian. And they asked the question, what is the true meaning of Christmas? Most of them didn't have the foggiest idea. Seriously, this is in one of our Southern Baptist magazines. I probably still got it over my desk right now. People in the malls that say, I'm a Christian. In fact, most of them said, well, it's a family time. It's a time to get together and just rejoice about the blessings you've been given and things like this. Just very non-metallic type answers. This is Christians, folks. Now, personally, I question what kind of Christian they are, but that, that's another, I won't go there. But that's what a lot of people look at Christmas. Oh, it's a time to get together and to overeat and to watch football on TV and all these kind of things. Folks, if that's your explanation of Christian, you've missed the basis. You've missed it totally. Christmas is about this little baby. He's the reason for Christmas. He came to be the Savior of the world to give his life. I don't know at what age he started realizing, probably from very early, I'm guessing, but I do not know, that his destination was already set in line, and he knew exactly what was going to happen. One of these days. Can you imagine living with that for 33 years? Now, I'm sure as he was younger, he might not have known it. But as he began to get old enough to understand things, I guarantee you he knew it. That he was called to be a sacrifice for these very people that couldn't stand him. That's what Christmas is. That he loved us when nobody else would. He loved us that much. 
Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Don't do it because somebody's watching you. Do it because Jesus says the best thing you can do. On the early show, early morning show called Good Morning America years ago, I don't know if this is still on or not, but they used to have a deal where they recognized marriages of 50 years and longer. Y'all remember that? I think it was a, wasn't that called the Good Morning America show or something like that? It was on for a long time. 50 years is a commitment. It don't happen by accident. How do you have 50 years of marriage? I mean, I've been married a long time. Of course, remember, Judy married me when I was five, so just keep that in mind. I'm not that old, but in January, we're going to celebrate. We got some smart arts around here. Next month, we're going to celebrate our 45th anniversary. She was 22, 23 when we married, and like I said, I was five. And so just, I mean, but we've been together a long time. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't think it's an accidental that you stay married for 50 years, or some people 75. I mean, can you imagine that long? If you're visiting, I'm sorry. I really am. <laughs> I think they planned it that way. In other words, they planned to make their marriage a commitment. And yes, I can tell you firsthand, we've not always had peaceful days. I had a guy that we went to a marriage conference when we were not too long married, and I remember him saying, don't ever go to bed. The Bible says don't ever go to bed angry with each other. I remember one time I stayed up a week without sleeping. Well, maybe not exactly, but it's close to it anyway. It felt like it. I've discovered over the years that spiritually you are exactly what you plan to be. Let me say that again. Over the years, I've discovered that spiritually speaking, you're exactly what you plan to be. If you plan to be a hot, cold, up-down, roller coaster type spiritual person, that's exactly what you will be. If you plan to be mediocre, mediocre uh, as an average Christian, that's exactly what you'll wind up being. But... If you desire a long and lasting spiritual growth, slow growth, but growth, maturing Christian, then you'll be that too. It's all of what you want to be as a Christian. How many times have we seen people join churches, come in here and blow their own fire, and three months later you don't even see them anymore? Folks, Christian life is not something to do. It's a life to live. And it's a life to be taken seriously. And God cannot intervene in our lives and help us unless we're in communication with Him. We've got to have that commitment in our marriages, but also our church marriage. You say, what are you talking about? Jesus calls this church the bride of Christ. 
just like I've got a bride. She's part of me. We've been together a long time. We don't always agree. Most of the time she gets her way, but it's that's just our home. But you've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care who you are. And it's got to be something you take into the marriage. I try to, every time I marry some people, to put in there about, you know, the best thing we could do is find you a church home. I didn't say they had to find this one. It'd be the best one to find, but that, that's, that's not the issue. But to find you a church and get involved in it. Find you a church and get active in it. Because when you're active, you begin to learn more about God. And you're around godly people can help you in your marriage, in your work, in your life, in the areas. And so it's so important for us to be, to give away the gift of commitment. Christmas calls us to commitment. You cannot hear the Christmas story that we just read a few minutes ago without making some kind of commitment. You're not going to believe it, or if you believe it, and accept it as the greatest story ever told. It's got to be one or the other. It's the greatest story ever told about how that a loving God loved me so much that he allowed his own son to die in my place. I can't wrap my hands around that. My mind's too small to comprehend that. But this God of the universe loved me so much that he sent his son to die on a cross, a gruesome, embarrassing, humiliating death because he loved me that much. And guess what? He loves you that much too. That's what Christmas is. That's what Christmas really is defined as. To say that I believe in Jesus, God, uh, believe in Jesus as God's son, and he came 2,000 years ago, and he came to make a claim on my life, and the best I know how, I give my life back to him who was born in a manger, didn't have a penny to his name. His parents were so poor they couldn't do anything. I mean, they had nothing. He was born in a stall, a cattle stall. That's how poor he was, and yet he's the Son of God that owns everything. Think about that love. And by the way, I know I've said this a hundred times, but I'll continue saying it. Jesus Christ did not want to go to this cross, but he did want to do the Father's will. And his father told him, there is no other way. He could have refused. He could have called 10,000 angels to wipe them out. But if he had done that, not a one of us would be sitting here today. Because had not been for that cross, we wouldn't be here. And we would be everywhere. You may still be alive. I don't know about that. But you'd be on your way to hell and there's nothing you could do about it. That's how much Jesus... God loved us to send His Son. That gift, we call it. And then number four, real quickly. Determine to live at peace with all people. Commit your life to Christ. Then determine to live at peace with all people. You know, it just blows my mind that churches have so much drama inside of them. Y'all may not know it, but we do have some drama in this church. 
show me the Bible where it says, and the church should have drama also. I don't think it's in there. You know why? Because God expects us when we walk in this door to get that nonsense out of our life, to forgive if necessary, to go to someone if necessary, to do all the things that we know we're supposed to do, we just don't want to do them. And we bring it inside the church, and before long, it's just drama center. I mean, we've got some of the best actors in this church you won't believe. They know how to act like a Christian on Sunday morning and go out and live like the devil on Sunday night. You say, Baptists do? Don't kid yourself. <laughs> they do. The Bible, as it talked about the Christian story, uses this word quite often. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth. Where, when there is genuine faith, it affects our relationships with others. When, are, when we are right with God, then we can be right with others. When we get at odds with God, then we'll become short-tempered, bitter with other people, even people you love. But the greater relationship we have with God, then we can relate with other people. It's so simple in God's eyes. It's so important to get along with one another. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to disagree every once in a while on things. Of course we are. We're human people. There is a tendency for us to have fences in terms of the limits of our love. Well, I've got this fence up. You better not cross my fence, and then we're going to have a problem. It may be mentally, but we put up fences. You hurt my feelings. 26 years ago, I'm not about to forgive you. Don't we do that a lot of times? We hold on to them. We love certain kinds of people that fit into our fences, that are like us. They agree with us. I can say something honestly, and they agree. Yeah, you got a right to get mad at him or her. That's not what it's talking about. But that's the way we live it. And then they are within the confines of our limits of love. <clears throat> you know what the Christmas story says? Lay down the fences and reach out beyond your boundary in love. Then you'll see the true spirit of Christmas come through and you'll have Christmas spirit all year long. You want to see our church change for the better? Repair those fences down. Repair those hurt feelings. Even if somebody hurts your feelings, go to them and repair it. That's not my words. That's what Jesus said. Before you give your money, is my heart right with God? Is my mind right where God wants it? Is my ambition right where God wants it? You see, it's not just one hour Sunday morning. It's what we call the Christian life. Every day of our lives. We've got to be forgiving. We've got to be understanding. And we've got to give the love that maybe somebody doesn't have. That's what Christmas is really all about. If you want to spend, have Christmas days all through the year 2018, then begin right there. And you know where it starts? For most of us, right here on the altar. Lord, teach me to do your will. Teach me. I have to say that every day of my life. Teach me to do the right thing. You say, 
I thought you've been a Christian a long time. I have been. Since I was about 20 years old, I became a Christian. I'm 30 now. Close. We're going to have to take that toy away from him. But God wants to do each one of us the same way. He loves you so much, He gave Jesus for you. How much do we love Him back? Let's stand together. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. As we come to close this service, we just ask that you would open our hearts and minds. Lord, I don't know the needs of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in this room. But I do know this. There's not a one of us that couldn't be a better Christian if we just desired to be. Lord, my prayer is that you would take this church and shake it upside down like a salt shaker and make us the church you want us to be. That we'd be burning with a fire that won't go out. That we'd have compassion on people outside these doors. That we would love each other more than we've ever loved each other before. That we would begin to carry the cross of Jesus to places like Walmart and H-E-B and stores we'd go in. That people could just look at us and know there's something different and they'd want to know what it is. Lord, that's the kind of Christmas spirit we need to have. That we would walk out these doors and take Jesus with us everywhere we go. Lord, make our hearts ache and burn for that. And Lord, let it begin today. All these things we ask in Christ's name.